Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and to get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here with a very special guest, Mr. Neil Gordon. Neil helps experts become the face of a movement. He works with executives, influencers, and thought leaders, and has helped them get six-figure book advances, been seen on shows like Ellen and Dr. Oz, and people double their speaking fees, among so many other things. Neil, I'm going to kick it over to you to just kind of fill in the gaps there and tell them a little bit about you and your story, but I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, of course, for having me, Nicole. I'm very excited to be here as well. And in terms of who I am and my background, because I have a background in book publishing and communication and language, the next thing I'm supposed to say is, well, I loved reading as a kid and I always had my face in a book and I went to Duke University as an English major and graduated with a 4.0 and blah, 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 blah. And that is so completely not the case. I actually hated reading from the point I got my first book report in second grade. My dad would always say, as soon as reading became work, you just stopped doing it. And that's exactly what happened. And I still got good grades, thankfully. And I graduated from college with a 3.5. But throughout all of that, I never read anything. And the first time I took the SATs, I got a 330 verbal score. Like my reading (laughs) comprehension was nothing. I mean, that was like the fifth percentile. I mean, it was terrible. So when I graduated from college, I moved to New York City. I needed an escape from the subways. And in the last year or so, I had started to flirt with reading a little bit of like light fiction. And then a buddy of mine gave me a book called A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. And that book just so completely, it was just such a mind bender. I just couldn't deal with my old worldview of what I thought the world was before I read the book. And then after reading it, because of the way things unfold for the main character, it just shattered everything I thought I knew. And I then spent the next couple of years immersing myself and reading everything I could by John Irving and other authors. I started reading nonfiction. And on the other side of all of that, I became rather discerning about what gave language its power. And I got my job at Penguin, the book publishing company, a couple of years after that transition. And that got me off into the whole world of communication as all. That's so interesting. I love that you, once learning became, once reading became work, you were out. And (laughs) it is interesting. Like, I, I wonder if you just have that rebellious side where it's like, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to be told. I want to find things I want to explore on my own. Is that in your genetic makeup, you think? Or you know, once I once I was done with the corporate world, and this is a number of years ago now, I very much got that kind of independent streak in me. Just nobody can tell me what to do but me kind of thing. But honestly, Nicole, as a kid, I did what I was told other than reading. I always did my homework. <laughs> I never studied. See, here's the thing. I never applied myself to anything that didn't come easily. And so thankfully, homework came easily and taking tests came easily, but I never studied for anything. I never read. And part of it, I think, was just probably an undiagnosed attention deficit. 
I'm guessing. Cause like the, you remember school, they didn't give you the most gripping fiction to read. It was these, no. these old books that nobody <laughs> cared about except in school. Yes. I, I agree with that. And I, I, I had a bit of that kind of rebellious streak too. I loved learning, but I don't tell me what to learn. Don't give right. me, I want to find it on my own or I want to, you know, have it be given to me by somebody who cares about what I'm reading and not an assignment. I have like kind of a, a bucking authority issue. Yeah. I think I do now too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's I, why you're an entrepreneur, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We don't always look like rebels our whole lives, but it's kind of there the, the, underneath the surface um, showing yeah. up in little ways. So you talked about um, about how you became discerning about language and its effect on, on the world and just on the way that it makes people behave. And, and that's kind of what I'd like to at least start with in this interview is you, you have, you have um, two ways of looking at things where you, you have an, a unique look on an elevator pitch and mm-hmm. on getting that down to and how you introduce yourself, how that can really be impactful and not sound like this canned speech of right. just credentials. And right. then you have something else you call the silver bullet method, which these two things, I think I, I see them from, you know, looking at your work, they seem to go very well hand in hand, mm-hmm. that it's, it's really about about distilling things down to something that's so bite-sized, but so powerful. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk about, about either one of those to start out with and and see where we go from there. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the best way that we can look at this is from something that happened to me a couple of years ago, where I was going about to go to a conference and for three days in New York City. And the night before there was a happy hour arranged by one of the attendees. And it was just an optional thing just to meet everyone beforehand. And and I went to that and I got there on the earlier side. So there was only about eight or 10 of us before the main crowd got there. So we were all standing in a circle talking as one conversation rather than breaking off into our own separate conversations. And at one point the ringleader of the happy hour just turned to me and said, what do you do, Neil? And I started talking and 15 seconds later, I was interrupted because everyone started talking to each other. And that probably sounds kind of rude. I'm guessing it's like, oh my God, they interrupted my elevator pitch kind of thing. <laughs> but, but what I haven't told you is the reason why they interrupted me is because of something I said that got them so excited that they actually just suddenly had to start talking about it right then and there. And that was the thing that you identified a moment ago as the silver bullet-like concept. Mm-hmm. And so the promise of this approach, and one of my best headlines on entrepreneur, I have a column for entrepreneur, and one of my best headlines was how to craft an elevator pitch that gives people chills in under 20 seconds. And how do right? you do that? How do you <laughs> how do, you do that? that? That's why it's a good headline. It makes you curious. Well, yeah. I don't see how that could happen. So Here's what usually happens. And someone asks, what do you do? Or something like that. And you're like, oh, I'm going to give my elevator pitch now, right? What most people do is that they just start listing. They give their title or they give what their job is or what their company is. And then they list all the things that they do. Mm-hmm. Right? And you mentioned a moment ago, is like just listing credentials or something like that, right? And that's the kind of thing. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is why I'm proven to be good at what I do or something like that. But 
Effective communication values the recipient over the sender, okay? The most effective elevator pitch isn't about touting your stuff, like what your credentials are and what you do and all of that. The most mm -hmm. powerful elevator pitch is about empowering the other person to somehow live a richer life in that moment, but in the context of your expertise. And so how do we do that? Instead of, what well, someone asked, what do you do? Instead of just saying, oh, well, I'm a this and I do this, 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 and that. Instead, you could talk about the problem that your company or your expertise ultimately solves that other people care about, right? And so look at it this way. Like when we're talking about communicating in general, I might say many people who are an expert are struggling to communicate their message in a way that attracts other people to it, to get other people to care about it so that they wanna go deeper and do business with them, right? That's a problem that experts might have. It's like, oh yeah, I do need to attract more people. I need to get my message out there. I need to spread the word, right? So that's a problem that other people care about solving. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you can say after you've established the problem is talk about the typical and flawed ways people try to solve that problem. And so what most people do when they're trying to communicate is they do the show up and throw up. They just do the, oh, this is everything that I, uh, this is everything that I do. And these are all the different talking points and blah, 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 blah. And so when you're starting the elevator pitch, you start with the problem and then you identify the typical solutions because what you want is to show them why the myths that you're busting, the, the other things that people have to do, why they don't work. Because that steers them to thinking, yeah, I've tried those things and it just doesn't work. I'm, I'm still stuck. I still have this problem. And then you get to what you identified and what I call the silver bullet, which is your secret sauce. In one sentence, capturing the how you solve a problem in a way that gets people to think, oh, I get that now. I see how that could work. And that's when they start to get chills. And it's also the moment in that story at the happy hour when people all interrupted me to talk about it because I gave my silver bullet and they're like, oh, yeah, that's so true and all that. And for the record, it's something I've already said. I said, well, what do you do? And I was like, oh, well, with experts and public speakers, they're trying to get their word out and they're trying to spread the word, but they're struggling to get people to care about their stuff. And what they often try to do is just provide as much information they can about their stuff and about them. But effective communication values the recipient over the sender. And that's when they interrupted me. It's like, oh my God, it's totally, you have to make it about them, not about yourself and blah, blah, blah. And then finally they said, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, well, I help public speakers and entrepreneurs and other kinds of experts to transform their message so that people come up to them in droves wanting to work with them. And, and I, I, I love all of that. And I think that one of the hardest things for people to do is, is get things down to that, like that, that bite-sized little, that, that yeah. elevator pitch and and making it about the sender, first of all, takes some pressure off of you to have to, because I think right. where a lot of people get stuck is we say the word expert and yeah. we start thinking what we view, who we view as an expert, which is probably somebody we hold in very high regard. And mm -hmm. then we say, we start comparing ourselves to them and whether we're doing it consciously or subconsciously, you know, that, but, but that can get, you know, you might feel 
great about it one minute, but then you let it sit for a little while and then you start getting nervous about it. And you're just thinking about all the other people who do this thing, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, oh, I'm not as good as them. And we get a little tripped up. So at least putting the, I, I was an actor. And one of the things my acting yeah. teacher used to say, if you put your focus on the other person, right. it's impossible to be self-conscious. If you're thinking about the other people, (laughs) if you're thinking about who you help and you're leading with that, you're, you're putting your attention on the other person, on the person that you help, on the person you're talking to and trying to make a real connection with them, which I think gets missed when we're trying to just sit there and, you know, give our resume and make it sound so, you know, so captivating that people will just be like, I want to work with you right now because you said you do this, which right. doesn't really happen. Um, so can you talk about how you break that down with people and how can they find their unique special sauce? Are we really just looking for, are we looking for the mistake that people are making and we're flipping it around? Meaning like most people are doing this, but I have, this is my unique take. And that's kind of your, your end punch to, to your elevator pitch. You know, it's very perceptive that you said that, Nicole, because that's exactly where I like to start with my folks in that mm-hmm. I I like to encourage them to get, well, frankly, I mean, kind of judgmental about the rest of the world around them. That there is this moment in the movie Money Pit where at the beginning with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill and Jonah is a fictional character who's describing to Brad Pitt's character what the did I say money? I meant money. Money ball. That's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. <laughs> yes, yes. I just have that vision of him literally in the hole in the house at the end of that uh, at the end of that movie. But yes, money ball. I know exactly what you were talking about. I just, that is so funny. I've been talking about money ball a lot lately. I think I just needed to like, keep it fresh for myself or something. Anyway, so money ball. That's really what we want. Mm-hmm. All right. Money ball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. And Jonah is describing the Moneyball model to to Brad, and he just says there is an epidemic failure in how most baseball teams are managing their teams. And he says that what they think they need to do is buy players, but what they really need to do is buy runs. And so the whole movie is about this system where even if they're not the flashiest players, if they get on base and they score, that's what matters because that's how you win the game. And I had been talking about the importance of highlighting the mistakes that other people make, like you just said, even when I rewatched Moneyball, like last year, I think I rewatched it. I was like, oh my God, I never even realized that Joan is doing exactly what I teach people. <laughs> so I've just been talking about Moneyball ever since. And usually for the record, I usually call it Moneyball and not Moneyball. <laughs> and so... That's such fertile ground for finding the uniqueness of your idea is that you cite what you see as the epidemic failure in what other people are doing or think they need to do, the myths that you need to bust. And when you get that, it doesn't guarantee that that's the only way to find your idea, but it's a really good starting point. It's something that you and I can talk about here right Mm -hmm. now in this episode and say, this is a good place to start because the very nature of uniqueness is that it's contrasted with everything else that's around it. And so that's how you start. 
So just to just to play a little game because I think examples help. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to I'm thinking about like you're making me think about the way that I present things and the way that I put my message out in the world. And one of the things that I say, and and this is one, and I I, I could say that when I you can tell me if I'm off with this, but it feels good and you feel like you're on to something when you approach it this way, because you are taking conventional wisdom and mm-hmm. you are saying, I think about this differently. I see this differently. I have the results to back this up. And there's a, there's a level of confidence that comes from finding a new way, thinking out of the box that everybody else is in. And one of the things there's been a lot of talk about limiting beliefs. Everybody talks about limiting beliefs. I talk about them here all the time. We have limiting yeah. beliefs and they, they affect our ability to operate out in the world. Yeah. But the problem with limiting beliefs is it's a very conscious thing. And we're talking about subconscious beliefs and right. it's actually not the beliefs. The, I would say it's not the beliefs that are holding people where they are. It's the emotions that are attached to the limiting belief. Yeah. It's the, it's the emotional connection we have to the thoughts that we have. So you can't erase the thought until you deal with the emotion. Right. So I, I get it. And I don't know if I'm phrasing it the right way or doing it in a way where it's a true silver bullet, but I know when I, when that came to me, when I kind of, when I understood that and I started working with that approach, it changed the way that I, it changed the way I delivered my message. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what you are hitting on there, Nicole, I mean, first of all, I want everyone to notice what Nicole did here is that found a very clear contrast in that what most people are doing to overcome their internal obstacles or however we might phrase this is that they focus on limiting beliefs and finding a way to invert those beliefs or something like that. But the real way to tackle the the darker or more limiting aspects of how we show up in our work and our life is to first deal with the emotions associated with it. And so it's just this very clean contrast, not beliefs, but emotions or feelings or whatever it is you call it. And so the silver bullet might be something like the key, like, what would you say is the, the outcome is like, like freeing, like, what would you say is the promise of this work? Is it a matter of, of finding, finding your, your, confidence as an entrepreneur? Is it more a matter of like, what would you characterize the the larger promise of this work to be? It's breaking past your upper limit. And, and, and so your next level of success. So when you can clear the emotion, you've now released the glue holding you to all of these beliefs, thought patterns that are keeping you in a pattern, which is keeping you where you are. When you release the emotion attached to it, that's true freedom from the way of thinking that kept you in this spot and you're free to move on. Right. So then exactly. Okay. That's beautiful. So a silver bullet could be like releasing emotion shatters the ceiling Mm -hmm. or or like breaks the limits. If you wanted to have like a, a less colloquial way to put it or something like that, but it's like, or you could even play around with the contrast in the sentence itself is that we break through our limitations, not by addressing our beliefs, but rather clearing our emotions mm-hmm. like that. So these are all potential contenders for, these are all contenders for your silver bullet, because the most important thing is that the idea comes across and the language, like a silver bullet, just so that everyone knows is like cause and effect sentence. It's like taking an action leads to an outcome, mm-hmm. right? So when I ask, what is the promise? And it's like, 
breaking through your limits is a great promise of this kind of work. And so what is the action that leads to that outcome? And so that's really what this secret sauce like statement is. It's cause and effect. Now, silver bullets, this whole, th this whole framework, would someone have multiple silver bullets? And this would be if you were giving speeches, you work with public speakers, you work with helping develop public speakers. Is this something that you would have in a good speech? There would be several silver bullets that are kind of punctuating throughout your speech. Is that how you use these? Or, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking the applications are, there's, there's many, but is that one of them, how you would have somebody kind of working a talk around and, and come up with silver bullets to sort of grab people and help punctuate the uh, the idea? Yeah, it's pu public speaking is one of the most well-fitted applications for this concept. And what's interesting is that there's not, I like to say that the only hard and fast rule of communication is that there are no hard and fast rules. <laughs> but I do tend to steer people toward a certain kind of model in using the silver bullet in their speaking. And that what I see in a lot of speeches is someone might have like five concepts that they want to get across to their audience. Here are five steps or five things you need to do to do this or something like that. And I see it all over the place. And I am not really a fan of that approach to a keynote speech, for example, because it's just kind of like I call it a puddle jumper where it's just like I'm going to talk about this. Then I'm going to talk about this. Then I'm going to talk about mm -hmm. this. And it's just kind of, kind of this even keeled thing. Whereas if you had one silver bullet and your talk was about leading up to that, you could use things like mysteries and stories that haven't yet been completed and, and tantalizing questions. And you could actually lead up to a single silver bullet. So it's almost like a climax in a movie, but because mm -hmm. the silver bullet is so potent, if you have all this anticipation and buildup, then you can actually deliver on what you've been building up to. Whereas if you have just kind of like a standard way of communicating, and you have all this anticipation and you say it, then it's going to be a letdown. So you create that juice, that kind of thing that gives people chills in that cause and effect sentence kind of way. When you mm -hmm. do that and it's really empowering people are like, oh, wow, I get it now. You can justify building up in that way and it keeps people on the end of their seat, edge of, of their seats and all of that. And so you would have one. And sometimes when I give a talk, I'll have one big climactic silver bullet. And then at the very end, I'll, I'll explain how you could use it in practical steps and tips and stuff like that. But then at the end, I'll have a little story that captures the bigger idea, perhaps, and maybe a broader silver bullet that encompasses everything. Hmm. So it's not a hard and fast thing, like I said, but that's one example of how you might structure a talk using this technique. I, I like how you kind of you, you kind of pointed out something that I think a lot of people think they need is we get very into what I consider sort of a cheap kind of way of approaching speeches and mm -hmm. content of the the list, the five right. A listicle, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get how I get how it gets people to click on a on an article and, and things Pray like for that. Articles, for sure. But yeah. But when we get into when, you know, the goal with being a speaker, with putting your message out there and truly having a message is to really change people's perception, mm -hmm. change people's thought pattern, have them see something a different way, like that book did for you all right. those years ago, you know, shattered your worldview and put you in a completely change your trajectory for your life. Like that's right. the power of a message is that that's it can right. truly have people turn so 
so I, I I love this. Is that really what you do with with people when you are working with them on a public on public speaking and on developing a talk? I'm supposing where you come up with that one concept that do you think it's better to be focused on that one thing you're building, you're building that case the entire time you hit them with it. And then at the end you're, you're summing up and, and hopefully hitting them again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the larger impact that this work tends to have on the people with whom I work in particular is that they get like a signature talk that they can mm -hmm. go and give to all sorts of different audiences and adapt it lightly. But that same essential idea winds up being pervasive throughout all those different talks. Now that's not to say that you can only have one silver bullet and only one talk. I actually just gave a talk to a the staff of a community college recently, which didn't talk about the silver bullet at all. It talked about that thing that I mentioned at the beginning of the elevator pitch around framing everything in the context of a problem that your audience cares about solving and how to influence people using that technique. You have a background in corporate America, I believe. and. And back then you might've seen people who struggled to get a voice at the table kind of thing. And so that technique is very helpful. Framing things in the context of the problem that the audience cares about solving is an idea unto itself that could be very helpful and very powerful. You spend 30, 45 minutes just talking about that. So you can have multiple silver bullets and, and I even have kind of organized them almost hierarchically in my, in my own messaging, but in terms of one body of content, I do tend to encourage people just to have that one big lightning bolt moment because that's where you cut through the noise. Mm -hmm. Instead of having a bunch, like five different things all in one, especially if you're at a conference and there's like three or four other speakers they're seeing that day, you're, there's, the conference is already noisy. Then just have the one thing, the one idea, the one takeaway. And you'll be, oh, I really liked her. She was, oh, she was the priorities person or she was the consistency person or whatever it is. Right. And makes you memorable rather than you just being, giving this watered down message to try right. to give more where you actually end up giving less impact. The right. goal should be right. impact, not quantity. Um, right. One last question for you. You work with public speakers. This is what you do. What can anyone with thoughts and with a message, be a public speaker? Or who do you see as being the most successful at this in this field? It really comes down to one word. And that word is impact. Mm -hmm. Can anyone be a public speaker? Can anyone be an expert? It really comes down to, does that person have a positive and meaningful impact? through whatever expertise or message that they share. And so I like to say that the value of our message isn't based on what we say or even how we say it, but rather what our audience does once we're done saying it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea there is that whether you're an introvert or this big larger than life personality or whatever, as long as you're having an impact and your audience is somehow positively affecting their own life in a meaningful way. They're taking actions that are somehow enriching their life. That's where you get to be the speaker. It's not based on your personality. It's not based on your history. It's just based on, can I get up there and say something? Or if you're in written form, can I write something that if people consume it, their life lives will be the better for it. That's what matters. So if you're listening, 
and you feel that pull and you feel like this is something that I want to get out in the world, you should certainly look up Neil and reach out to him because he can help you put that together and, and maybe give you a little bit more courage about putting it out there. I think that having a framework or having help and, and seeking out assistance in this type of thing, I think can really help people because probably once they get their first one out there, there's that feeling of, I can do this. This is a possibility for me. And I, mm-hmm. it's addicting when you start impacting people and you start ha- having a message land and it changes people's lives and it changes the way people think kind of can't imagine not doing it anymore. <laughs> right. That's right. It just stops being about whether you can do it and just about having to do it. Mm-hmm. This is not a, even a question anymore. This just has to happen. Well, Neil, thank you so much. This was such a valuable conversation. And I I, I I, love all the, there were tangible takeaways, but there's so much that I think will sit with people and make an impact and keep staying in their mind and, and changing the way they think about how they approach their content, what they're putting out there and, and possibly doing a talk of their own. So um, tell the listeners where they can stay in touch with you. How can they, how can they get more of you? And, and if you have anything that you want to promote. Well, I would say that a really good place to go deeper is I have a public speaker quiz and it's right on my website, neilcanhelp.com. And you could also go directly to neilcanhelp.com forward slash quiz. And it's a fun, loving way to figure out what is the most captivating way that you could start a talk so you can get people interested right away. And there are these cute animal metaphors. And I use Ted famous Ted speakers as examples of these animal types and all of that. And it's just a fun loving way just to get started and and look at what is it about me that's going to be the most captivating on stage and in other contexts as well. And just going forward from that point. I love that. I love that. And we will link all of that up in the show notes so that you can find that easily. We don't have to worry about writing that down. We've got you. And Neil, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before we close out? I mean, really what it comes down to for me is making sure everyone knows that your value is driven by your impact. And when you think about, when you have those darker moments that you're not even sure if you should be doing a thing. Just consider the ways that you had an impact and the ways that you, the ways other people's lives were transformed as a result of the actions you took and then dare yourself to not move forward with that in mind. I love that. Very, very well said. Well, thank you so much, Neil, for being here. This was a true pleasure. Thank you for listener. If you are still here listening with us till the end, I thank you for making it all the way through and for being a loyal listener of the show. And remember, You are limited only by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more of this type of content and conversation in your life, please come check out our free Facebook community, Unlock Your Inner CEO, where you'll find next level entrepreneurs just like you. Go to innerceogroup.com to join. I'll see you there.